Good morning and welcome to the Joy of Discovery podcast. I'm Ben Payton. Our topic today is finding forgiveness. Isaiah 55, and we'll pick up our reading beginning at verse 6. My topic today is finding forgiveness. If you ask God for forgiveness, you can be assured of one thing. He's going to grant it. And I like the way he gives or grants forgiveness. It's unlike the way we, you know, forgive. I've had people say, and I guess maybe I've even been guilty of saying this, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. But God does forget. When he forgives, he wipes the slate clean, and it's as if it never happened. What are the qualities to which God responds? And with what urgency should you and I seek him? This passage we're about to read offers one of the great assurances that God does hear and respond to sincere requests for forgiveness. Here we are, Isaiah 55. Let's begin our reading at verse 6. And let's pay attention to the atmosphere. Let's pay attention to the, to the words. Seek. This is something that you and I must do. Seek. What are you seeking? The Lord while he may be found. What does that imply? That implies that he's not readily uh, available at all times. We'll deal with that a little bit later. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse 7. Let the wicked, who are the wicked? The wicked are those that are not born anew or those that have not been born again, those that are not saved and ready for heaven. Well, Ben, you know, I'm not a bad person. I may not know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not a bad, well, this is not about good and bad. This is about defining the words properly. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, the Bible refers to those individuals as sinners, those individuals as wicked. Let the wicked, now this is something that they must do, forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So it deals with behavior, that's outward, and secondly it deals with the inner man, the thoughts, something again that must be done. Now we have a word for this and it's called repentance. There's not enough preaching today about repentance from this pulpit or any other pulpit. Forgiveness only, get this, forgiveness only comes with repentance, not with apologies. Repentance comes from God when we change the way we behave and the way we think. Here it is in the word of God. Let the wicked forsake his way, that's his behavior, and the unrighteous upon his thoughts. So if you're going to receive forgiveness from God, it comes with a change of behavior and thought. We call that repentance. In other words, we're walking this way and we repent completely and we begin to go a new way. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now listen, and let him return 
to the Lord and he will have, oh, this is good. And he, talking about the Lord, will have mercy on him. And to our God, and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will pardon how? Abundantly. In other words, he's going to wipe the slate clean. Some people say, I've forgiven you, and then at every occasion they bring it up. The Bible word for that is upbraid. They remind us constantly. God doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't constantly bring up. He wipes the slate clean. We begin anew. Whew, I like that. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Finding forgiveness. First major point is this, we must seek the Lord with an intense priority. Do you prioritize your life, your day? Do you get up and make a list of what you have to do? If I don't do that, I don't get a lot done. But just making a list is not sufficient because still the most important thing that you need done may not get done. If you just make a list and start at the top, you need to make a list and then prioritize it. And at the top of your list should be your relationship with the Lord, seeking the Lord. How should we seek him? Well, we should... A, seek the Lord actively. Isaiah in verse 6 speaks of the pursuit of God as primary, not secondary. Actively, not passively. And a lot of people are passive with their relationship with the Lord today. Got a few spare moments here. Let's plug in a little bit of Bible reading. Or let's plug in a little bit of a devotional book. Just somewhat passive. Some people are passive when it comes to church attendance. It's not a top priority. To pursue God is to allow nothing to stand in the way of that pursuit. It is literally not a trivial pursuit. The word seek here points to a deliberate stepping toward God in two ways. How do you step toward God? You step toward him with prayer. And here's the second one. We don't like this word too much, sacrifice. Prayer and sacrifice. You can never have enough prayer in your life. Can you? Don't raise your hands. Don't nod your head. But are you praying as much as you need to pray? Do you realize that it is a sacrifice to live for God? You have to sacrifice. Another prophet of repentance, Jeremiah, listen to this, spoke. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Write this scripture down, Jeremiah 29, 13. This is a good one. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matt Roberts, Barbara Evans, and myself were having lunch, and the young lady that was our waitress, uh, we began to engage in a religious conversation with her, and she was talking about her education. She was talking about the time that she was in church and how she was offended by a youth pastor and she didn't go back. She let us know that she was seeking God in her own way, and she was seeking answers that she didn't have. And the whole conversation, the whole dialogue revolved around an intellectual I don't have all of the answers. I want to know the answer to this. I want to be able to answer the questions. 
She was seeking God intellectually, but you're not going to find God until you seek him with your heart. It's not about the intellect, although you don't disengage the mind. You don't set the intellect aside, but this is about a heart relationship. That's why you need to write down Jeremiah 29, 13. You need to read that. You need to burn it upon your mind. You will seek me and find me. How? When you seek me, not with your mind, not with your intellect, but with your heart. So we see that we, A, seek the Lord actively. B, we seek him urgently. Look at verse 6. Our seeking must be while he may be found. God is not always equally accessible. God would not be God if he would be no more than a cosmic houseboy to be summoned at our whim. There are moments of time and windows of opportunity when we must seek God. You remember blind Bartimaeus. Jesus went by and blind Bartimaeus said, O thou son of David, he had a window of opportunity. When Jesus passed by, you remember Zacchaeus, Jesus passed by and said, come down, today salvation has come to your home. There's a window of opportunity today to meet God. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 insists, now is the time of God's favor. I'm going to set it off to a more convenient season. No, the Bible says, now is the time of God's favor. And Jesus warned his disciples of the urgency for decision now. He said, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. So when God speaks to you and nudges you, now is the time to respond to him. There is a critical spiritual moment when the wind blows and the tide comes in, and that moment must be seized. So first of all, we seek the Lord with an intense priority. Secondly, we seek the Lord with positive expectancy. We may believe with security that God will have mercy and that he will pardon. Would you look at verse 7? This is good. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and get this, and he will. If you're following in your Bibles, you could underscore he will. That's present tense. What will he do? He will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will, present tense, abundantly pardon. What are the conditions of that pardon? A, pardon relates to the sincerity of the seeker. Outwardly, the seeker must, verse 7, forsake. In other words, lay aside an habitual course of sinful living. What is sin? To know to do good and do it not. To him it is sin. And there are many other things. You know, your conscience drives you. And we've all been taught to do the right thing. Outwardly, we must, verse 7, forsake. Repentance is the missing note in much modern Christian proclamation today. Repentance. Repentance. How many people actually believe that God can change your life. How many people are here today? I see about, I don't know, ministerially speaking, about 500. How many people, how many of you are sick of the way you're living? How many of you are, are sick of what's going on in your life? 
Well, if you want to change it, then you have to make the choice to let God do something miraculous in your life. And it's a choice. You don't have to be who you are. Do you realize that? Some people just seem to love to be miserable. And they just continue doing the same things they always do. And if you continue to do the same things you always do, you're going to get the same results you've always gotten. It's time to stand up and say, I'm sick and tired of the life that I'm living. I'm going to turn. I'm going to repent of my ways. I'm going to make the choice to let God have his way in my life. And I'm going to seek some of that abundant joy. I'm going to seek that abundant life that is spoken of in John 10, 10. I'm going to seek a higher life with the power of God residing in my life. There's something better for you. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's peace. There's joy. There's long-suffering. There's patience. There's a better life. It's time to quit making excuses and start taking charge, seeking the Lord with all of your heart. Outwardly, the seeker must forsake Inwardly, there must be a radical change in disposition. What is that? Verse 7, thoughts. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. The wicked must forsake his way, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. If you want something different in your life, you're going to have to change the way you think. We're not talking necessarily, although he's talking to the unrighteous and the wicked, and he's talking in relationship to salvation. But Christians who are presenting to the world a defeated lifestyle need to change the way they think. Can you actually look in the mirror and take responsibility for who you are? I mean, we need to do that. Because it's important for ourselves. I think our attitude and our thought life has a lot to contribute with how long our well-being, our well-being, our well-being. I think a lot of people are sick, they're miserable, and they bring a lot of that on themselves. Understand fully that external reformation without internal purification is not enough. When we come to God, there must be a radical sincerity that embraces both the outwardness of visible life and the inwardness of the inside or the unseen disposition. There's no reason for Christians to be grumpy. Is there? There is no reasons for Christians to be grumpy. There's no reason. We preoccupy ourselves with too much church chat. We preoccupy ourselves with too much talking about things that just don't matter. Someone made a comment to me the other day, and I, I responded by saying, You know, in 50 years, is that going to matter? Seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. Unseen disposition. Pardon relates to the certainty of salvation. Look at the end of verse 7. He will abundantly pardon. And his pardon, he, you know, he's not stingy with this. He will freely pardon. Freely forgive. And how will he pardon? Abundantly. God delights to multiply and make great his pardon when we come with radical repentance. Listen to Romans 5.20. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Praise God. Binding forgiveness. Here's my last major point. Seek the Lord with an assured certainty. 
Forgiveness appears impossible. Why? Because in the narrow confines of our guilt-ridden minds, we cannot imagine the goodness of God. However, the Lord assures us that he is indeed better than we can imagine. Look at verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Praise God for that. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You see, God's forgiveness is more certain than man can imagine because of his thoughts, the way he thinks. He doesn't look at things the way we look at them. Verses 8 and 9 provides us an assurance that God's purposes and promises are timeless. They're a timeless principle and that he will forgive. And the assurance of your forgiveness rests in the character of God himself. He must stand on his promise. If God says he's going to forgive you, he'll forgive you. And when you approach him with the sincerity of your heart, with the repentance of your behavior and your thoughts, you can be assured of one thing. Whether you feel it or not, God's going to forgive you. God's going to forgive you. There have been times in my life that I have felt like maybe God wasn't even close to me. Did you notice the word I use? Felt. That has nothing to do with it. Because we live by faith, not by feelings. Now, I want a religion I can feel. I don't want you to misunderstand anything about that. And there are times that I sense, I feel the overwhelming presence of God, and I'm humbled by it. But there are other times I don't feel him, I don't sense him. But he's still there, and I walk by faith, and I trust in his word and in his promises, and I know he's God and he cannot lie. So he stands true to his promise. Seek the Lord. That's something we must do. Forsake the ways of the wicked. Forsake the unrighteous thoughts and return to the Lord. He will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. Do you know why we have difficulty and trouble accepting the forgiveness of God many times? Do you know? Because we can't forgive ourselves and we try to think God is like us. But God forgives. And he will help you forgive yourselves. I've done some things I'm not proud of. Some things that I don't want to talk about. Some things that, you know, don't need to be talked about. But I realize that in order for me to experience God... He's forgiven me. I must forgive myself. Because if I don't forgive myself, and if I don't develop some kind of love for myself, I'm not talking about a prideful love, an arrogant love, a self-centered love, a self-absorbed love. I'm talking about the kind of, of well-being that is necessary that I can't really exhibit or pass along the love of God. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the reason you can't love your neighbor is you, you don't love yourself. So forgive yourself. When you mess up, understand by repentance and by bringing it to God, you've done the best you can do. Now get over it and move on. I wish I'd learned that lesson, you know, many, many years ago. And I'm not saying that I, I still don't struggle with it. You know, that's what life is about. Life is a process. Life is a struggle. But to know the right thing to do, sometimes when your feelings still kind of have a hold of you, you can intellectually, through your will, make that thing work for you. 
make it work for you. Seek the Lord and find forgiveness. What do you need forgiveness for today? Is there something that you feel that you need to go to God with and ask forgiveness? There's not a better time to do it than now. Today is the day that we approach the Lord. Don't worry about yesterday. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. What we have is this moment right now. And the Lord is with us. And he's ready, willing, and able to give forgiveness. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Joy of Discovery podcast. We release every Wednesday morning. So mark your calendar, tell your friends, and join us for the Joy of Discovery. This is Ben Payton. We encourage you to visit our website, benpayton.com. If you'd like to send us an email, it's ben at benpayton.com. God bless you, and thank you so much for being with us today on the Joy of Discovery. This is Ben Payton, and we remind you to keep it real. Thank you.